Let's react on the show, episode 51. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. As always, I'm your host, Michael, and on today's show, we'll talk mental self-sabotage that triathletes do. And you are very likely doing at least a few of the things that we'll cover today that include, for example, things like leaving self-confidence to chance, worrying too much about what others think, being a perfectionist, etc., etc. And if you are doing any of these things, you are likely not getting quite the performance that you could from your races either. Today's guest is Dr. Patrick Cohn, a master mental game coach with Peak Performance Sports in Orlando, Florida. And I first heard about Patrick through an article series he is writing on training peaks at the moment called Six Ways Athletes Sabotage Their Racing Success. And I really loved the first few installments. I thought that they were some of the best articles I've read this entire year from in triathlon, I would say. And so I reached out to Patrick and here he is talking us through these six ways that we are self-sabotaging and how we can avoid that. And uh, it's actually a pretty big scoop since the Training Picks article series is only on the fourth installment at the moment of recording, which is the 15th of August. So, uh, but you'll get the full, the, the full scope, all the, uh, the six ways and all the ways to avoid them. So the full story is provided for you here today on the show. So let's hear about mental self-sabotage with Dr. Patrick Cohn. Okay, so I'm very happy to introduce today's guest, Patrick Cohn from Peak Performance Sports. He is a mental toughness and sports psychology expert, and he has a PhD in that field. And uh, today we will discuss things that triathletes do that uh, sabotage their racing mentally on the mental side. So, Patrick, first of all, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And uh, I know that you have a short time window, so we'll just dive right into the topics and I will make sure to give you a proper introduction in the intro and outro of the episode and have all the links and resources that people may want to find. So you wrote this article series on training peaks on six ways that athletes uh, self-sabotage their races. And uh, Let's just cover briefly them one at a time. So the first one is placing strict expectations on your performance. What's that about? Yeah, and we wrote this series because we want um, athletes to be able to identify with and understand some of the challenges that go along with racing and the mental game. Uh, There's a lot of athletes that really don't know how they might be limiting themselves so there uh, is the reason why we started with the Training Peaks um, series on just understanding your mental game a little bit. One of the areas that I teach uh, quite a bit to my athletes is this idea of high expectations. Often expectations and confidence get rolled into one concept for triathletes. 
where if they expect to do well, then they should be confident, for example, or if they're confident or if they're confident, they expect to do well. But I tend to pull those two terms out for athletes and get them to understand what they really want is the pure essence of confidence because expectations lead to them placing standards or what I call the shoulds and the shouldn'ts. I shouldn't make any mistakes, for example, or I should have the perfect pacing um, are a couple of examples of expectations that they have. And then when they don't, they judge their performance and either doubt themselves or become frustrated. So you really want the pure essence of confidence, a belief in your ability to execute your skills and your race plan without the dire and strict expectations about performing to an exact standard. Yeah, you can never win if you have uh, because you're not going to place your expectations low. Not many people are going to do that. Uh, so, I totally see that being an important point. But it's um, yeah, great that you bring that up. So uh, let's uh, roll on to the next one: leaving self confidence. You mentioned confidence already. Leaving self confidence to chance. Yeah, leaving self confidence to chance is a big challenge with athletes because they tend to wait. I call it taking a backseat approach. Um, They're not driving their own confidence. They take a backseat approach because depending on how they feel that day or maybe even how they felt that week in their training, the day of competition, prior to the race, or even in the opening moments of the race, they tend to wait to see how well they're feeling, how well they're doing, and how well their performance is, and then thus they what i call react they allow their confidence to react to how they're feeling so the problem there is if every if the stars don't align and everything isn't going that great that week in training uh, in training in the warm up in the opening minutes of competition then athletes tend to struggle with their confidence and so that's what i mean by they leave confidence to chance they don't really they're not really proactive um, and driving their own confidence like they should be. And how, how should you do that? What are some tips that you, and tools that you can use to, to drive your self-confidence and be proactive about it? Well, proactive confidence is about, number one, um, making sure that you understand where your sources of confidence are. What that means is focusing on your talents and your abilities and your strengths rather than what your competitors have. For example, uh, proactive confidence is also about positive self-talk before the race, making sure your self-talk is positive and is enhancing your confidence, um, which means you don't want to be have a lot of doubt and question marks about how you're going to do in the race. And finally, um, having a race plan, having something that you believe in that's going to help you perform your best uh, at each discipline. Perfect. I'll add one, uh, and you can comment if you think it's good or bad. But something that I do is that I, before the day before a race, let's say, I'll look at workouts that have been going really, really well in the build-up to the race. So I cherry-pick my best workouts and have a look at them and the post-activity comments that I wrote for the workout and the paces that I set and the power that I held on the bike and so on. What do you think about that? Yeah, very good idea because what you're doing is you're focusing on past success rather than 
you know, focusing on the workouts that didn't go well that week or doubting your ability to take your training in the competition. Yeah, good. All right. So number three is worrying too much about results or outcomes. Well, this is standard for many athletes because we live in a, in a very um, outcome-oriented, uh, you could say, society here. And a lot of athletes focus too much on their position, where they're going to be at the end of each discipline, where they're going to be at the end of the race, their um, the, the times they're going to have. And so they get so wrapped up into the outcome that they're not able to fully focus on the process. So I teach athletes how to focus on the process and what to focus on in the process. So in, in that opening minutes of the swim, it's really not about where you're going to be when you come out of the water, right? Or it's really not going to be about where you're going to be in relation to the field or what the time is going to be. It's really about what you're going to do one stroke at a time uh, in the swim and your pacing and your tempo and obviously staying on top of the water. Really simple things that you can focus on in the process. How do you get to that that mindset that you can actually do that? Because I think we all realize that that is the thing that you should do, but it's difficult to do it, right? So what are some tips for, for that? Well, setting those objectives. What's going to help you you know, have your best pacing, for example, or have your best power output in the bike. Um, what, what are the cues you need to focus on? Now, not everybody's perfect with that, and that's okay. You simply have to be able to recognize when you start thinking about outcomes and numbers that you have to pull it back to the present moment and focus on that current section um, of the course. So, um, you know, that's common for athletes to, I think, think ahead, but make sure you understand that's not relevant and to be able to pull your focus back into the moment. Right. Okay. So for example, if you have a, uh, a race in a, in a hot environment, would that mean that you realize that, uh, your outcome m might not be the power numbers that you were thinking that you could have had, but realizing that you should do what's best in the moment and, uh, do the same the power output that you can sustain in those environments would that be an example of of uh, focusing on the moment rather than on outcomes absolutely yes okay so number four is misinterpreting pre-race jitters once again yeah. another common uh misconception for athletes is they get those comp what i call common variety pre-race jitters and they think oh well i must be anxious or i must be tight or i must be fearful in some way but really the the pre-race jitters for the majority of athletes are just a way to get excited to get pumped to get adrenaline um and to um have the energy and and thus the focus to perform your best so we teach, uh, in the article, we basically teach athletes that you have to embrace those pre-race jitters as something that's going to be more helpful. So it's kind of like um, what we call um, reframing or um, turning around your interpretation, changing your interpretation of how you feel before the race. If your heart is beating or you got a little sweaty pops, that's okay. That's normal. That's, that's, that's common things that your body does to get ready for competition 
So, so you turn that into a positive. Do you have any examples of how you can can turn that into a, a positive, or or at least realize that it's normal and not let it get to you? Well, I mean, yeah, this skill is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's basically saying that you know what, I'm not anxious. I'm just excited, and so th- those have two completely different connotations for athletes. If I'm anxious and fearful, something's wrong. If I'm excited and I'm juiced and I'm, I'm, I've got the adrenaline running through my veins, then that's good. And so it's just really about how you the description, the how you describe those pre-race jitters to yourself. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I get it, and uh, that makes it so all the easier. And uh, I think that everybody everybody is thankful that that it's not something that you really need to to do a lot of work to 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 get to perfect number five then is worrying too much about what others think yes if you uh, have some perfectionist uh, listeners out there that tend to want to do everything perfectly and by the book i often find what's associated with perfectionism is a concept we call social approval now social approval is simply that it's worrying too much about what others think And so that comes in two forms. We find that um, perfectionist athletes, they tend to want approval, want to be respected, want to be liked um, by other competitors, for example, or coaches. And um, that often can get in the way. On the other, on the flip side, there's athletes that fear embarrassing themselves, uh, fear being rejected, looking silly. For example, they're, they're both the same thing. They're just uh, different sides of the same coin, essentially. But the problem is, number one, you know, I think everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to be respected. But where it really becomes a problem for racers is um, they um, become distracted by it. Not only do they become distracted by it, but we find that it's a source of pressure and fear of failure for athletes. If I'm out there racing because I don't want to disappoint a coach or I don't want to embarrass myself by finishing poorly in front of my competitors, that's going to be a huge source of pressure for athletes. Well, uh, one of the uh, triathletes that I worked with said, um, I spend too much time watching others watch me. <laughs> so, mm. so that kind of crystallizes the whole problem with worrying too much about what others think. And it leads to what I call a problem called mind reading. Mind reading is when you're just thinking about what other racers are thinking about you. And it's, it's irrelevant. It's a distraction. It, it has nothing to do with executing your race plan. Yeah. And uh, as a coach uh, of triathletes, I can attest to that this is of the six items that we have on this list, uh, the one that I see crop up the most and uh, and definitely think that it's it can be a big problem and and even not just other triathletes but people that don't know anything about triathlon people worry about that they're gonna see their times in the local newspaper or something but they don't know what that time means so it's completely irrelevant but still it causes so much stress and fear of failure so do you have any any tip that people can use to to get out of this mindset Um, I usually tell them a couple of things. Number one, stop the mind reading. Rec- recognize the moment you're you're thinking about others and how others are evaluating you. Try to cut off the mind reading and tell yourself that that's not relevant. So it's kind of a refocusing strategy. And I often uh, 
tell racers that, look, you know what? They have their own stuff. They, they're into their own mind, their own race plan. They're too busy to really focus on you and evaluate you. So it's a little irrational to think that, you know, everybody's watching you and evaluating you when they have their own race to run. Yeah. Okay, good. And finally, number six on the list is striving to perform perfectly. You already men mentioned perfectionism here a couple of times, but let's dig a little bit deeper into this. Yeah, one of the things about perfectionism, it has some clear advantages when it comes from the training mindset, the work ethic, the motivation, commitment, goal setting. So there's lots of great things that go along with perfectionism. But what many perfectionists don't realize is, is there's some downsides to perfectionism. There's some things that cause them to sabotage themselves. Um, a lot of things that we've talked about uh, in the first uh, five uh, challenges for triathletes. So they have extremely high expectations. They become easily frustrated with their performance. They often don't have the same level of confidence in racing as they do in their practice routines. They lose trust in their skills when they go compete. They're often inundated with like fear of failure and worry and anxiety, a la the social approval that we talked about. And they want to perform perfectly. And so just the fact that they want to perform perfectly, they struggle when the stars don't align. Their, their performance, um, I call it the triple whammy for perfectionists. The triple whammy is when their performance doesn't feel good, look good, or the results are good, they'll struggle. So um, how many times have you been out or how many times have your students been out and all the stars aligned and everything was perfect for them? It's not going to happen very often. So thus, that's what perfectionists tend to struggle with. Mm, perfect. And uh, we are running out of time. Do you have four minutes more? We are at 15.15 to the recording or what's sure. your time limit? Okay, good. So first, one question related to all of this. Is there one big issue that you see is... Uh, more prominent among triathletes and, or a bigger issue causes a bigger negative impact? Um, well, certainly the last one that we talked about, about perfectionists, um, what they think is a good attitude is often not a good attitude. So it's kind of getting them to realize that they need to change some things. And the challenge is, it's what's helped them be successful, but it's also what's preventing them from being more successful. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you understand what I mean. So yeah. uh, that's really the challenge around. So when I'm working with perfectionists, it's one of the, like the best athletes to work with because we can make a lot of progress and changes, but it's also one of the toughest uh, challenges from the mental coaching standpoint because there's so many challenges associated with the perfectionists. Yeah, and as we've seen already, there's a big overlap as well between these different, even though they have their unique nuances. All right, so I have three rapid-fire questions for you, and uh, you can answer them really quickly. The first one is, what's your favorite book, blog, or resource related to mental toughness, sports psychology, or your field of expertise in general? Well, I'm going to jump a little bit out of sports psychology, but there's a book that I recommend to a lot of my students and a lot of the um, the coaches that I train. I actually have a certification program that I train or train coaches in my system. 
but I recommend this book called Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. It's by uh, Mikhail uh, Csikszentmihalyi. Don't ask me to spell that, but yeah, it's you, the Hungarian guy. I, yes, I think, yeah. If you search for Flow, I mean, he'll come up, and it's his original book called Flow: The Psychology of Optimal Experience, which just describes why people um, do what they do and why they enjoy um, activities that can be really um, repetitive and mundane. Yeah, I read a shortened version of that on Blinkist, which is an app that summarizes a lot, a lot of books for you. So it seems brilliant. I really want to get my hands on the full version. Second rapid fire question, what's or who's somebody in triathlon, endurance sports or your field of interest expertise that you look up to and admire? Well, in the world of triathlon, obviously, my associate, Andre Becker, who um, is, uh, I believe he's, I want to say a three-time champion, uh, world champion in his age group of 50 and over, plus the fact that he's really into the mental side. He understands the mental game. Um, he knows how to apply the mental game, and he's obviously used it in his, his own racing. So, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Andre is a, you know, top notch competitor and really understands um, the game. And we'll link to a free MP3 on mental toughness for triathletes that you and Andre did together as an interview. Uh, sure. If Yeah, so, so that will be in the show notes. Finally, what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? Wow. Um, I mean, there's so many uh, out there that I've learned from the field of sports psychology that can be a, a personal habit. Um, I think understanding that it's hard to multitask. Um, multitasking is kind of uh, a misnomer. Like you think, oh, it's really cool to do two or three things at once. But <laughs> from my perspective, it just doesn't exist. Multitasking doesn't exist be just because that's not how the brain is set up. Um, so the, really the skill is focus on one thing at a time. When you're done with that, move on. Um, even in your training, you know, as a triathlete, um, if your instructor is working on three different mechanical things, take it one at a time. You can't really multitask. It's very hard to think about three different things at once. Um, so it's like in my work, whether I'm coaching I have to be fully, fully focused on the student and the athlete. Um, if I'm writing, I have to be fully focused on, you know, writing and, and producing my programs. Um, and then you can think about distractions that come up, phone calls and emails. Well, I'm not really doing myself justice if I'm trying to do everything at once. So really being able to have that single purpose, that single focus, but you can you know, shift. Um, each time you shift, though, you lose mental energy and you lose time. So if I have to go and answer an email and, and shift my focus, then I'm really doing myself a disservice because then I got to get back into writing or responding uh, to, you know, an athlete or something. So um, that, that would be one of my biggest tips is don't multitask. Try to focus on one thing at a time, especially in your training. Yeah, and it's interesting. There have been fMRI studies that have 
investigated the transition, the switching cost of tasks, and mm-hmm. and found that that multi multitaskers they can lose up to forty percent of their productivity because of that switching between tasks. Even if they feel like they're really quickly switching between writing an email and writing a blog post and recording a podcast and so on. So totally exactly. agree. Yeah, totally agree on that. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to mention before I let you go? No, um, you know, your listeners can jump over to peaksports.com. And as you said, you can uh, download that uh, free MP3 interview. It's really a discussion that I have with Andre about why the mental game is important in long distance racing and some of the specific mental demands that you have to deal with. Yeah, and everything will be linked in the show notes, of course. So you'll find that on thattriathlonshow.com. All right, this has been Patrick Cohn from Peak Performance Sports. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Patrick. Thank you, Mikael. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Patrick. I actually think that it was really good that we were so short and to the point this time, which is something that uh, I don't always manage to be, but I think it was useful that that we, we did it this time this way. And uh, Patrick obviously had a hard deadline and we had just 20 minutes to, to wrap it up quickly. So uh, that might actually be useful for those of you that have shorter commutes and don't want to spend hours and hours listening to podcasts. As we mentioned, you can download Patrick's uh, audio program. It's free. It's called Mental Toughness Skills in Racing for Triathletes. And we'll link to that on the show notes on thattriathlonshow.com. Since I have a little, little bit of time due to the interview being a bit short, I will take a listener question. It's been a while. And this question is from Mercedes. Lovely name, Mercedes. Uh, she writes... There's been two years that I'm thinking of doing a short distance triathlon. I'm tempted to do it to prove to myself that I can do it and to experience a try firsthand. My barrier is that even though I like sports, I never do it on a regular basis. To train for a try, you should at least three months before the try train six times per week and I don't have the discipline needed and feel overwhelmed. Do you have any suggestions how to overcome this? Looking forward to hear from you. Regards, Mercedes. All right, so thanks again, Mercedes, for a great question. It's uh, really great, actually. And uh, my simple advice to you would be that uh, don't think that you have to train six times per week for three months if uh, that gets you overwhelmed. I would say that four times per week for three months would be plenty. And uh, as long as your goal is just to finish, to get to the finish line in a sprint distance, So in that case, I would do two sessions per week in your weakest discipline. For many, that might be the swim, but it could also be the run. And uh, then one each uh, for the rest of the the sessions. So for example, two swims, one bike and one run. And uh, maybe in the last four to six weeks, one of the weekly sessions would be a bike plus run brick workout. But uh, that's it, really. It's really simple. And when your goal is to complete the event and not going for a time goal, and when you're a beginner like yourself, just gradually build up volume to the race distance, easy aerobic pace, no need to add any intensity uh, or anything like that. Just build up to the race distance. It's going to be good enough for you to get you through your first triathlon. And uh, I hope that 
getting this uh, program down to four times per week maybe can be the answer to your question that you're feeling overwhelmed and don't think that you can stick to a training six times per week schedule so i really hope that this answers your question and uh, and for anybody else that has similar questions i hope that this has helped you as well and as I said before, you can always send your questions uh, and also, of course, feedback to michael at scientifictriathlon.com. And that's Michael with a K. Or you can tweet me on Twitter at SciTriat. And even though I've not been answering a lot of questions recently on the podcast, as I said, I have been answering these questions on email. So people have been, have been getting advice that way anyway. So... Uh, Take me up on it while I still have the time. And uh, I don't think that there's much more to mention for today. Next episode will be with Shona Halson from Australian Institute of Sports. She is a researcher and a senior recovery physiologist. So recovery will be the topic for next episode, which I am really excited about. And uh, I think that you should be as well. Until then... Keep training smart and keep loving triathlons.